Uh, I don't get you guys upstairs if you'll go ahead and uh, I don't have a big PowerPoint created, but I do have one and uh, I want to share some things with you this morning in, in light of the uh, this whole uh, dilemma that it seems as the world is in this day and time. And uh, this morning, I, I'm going to give a little bit of a disclaimer before I preach to you. Uh, I'm not here to preach about, uh, I'm not here to preach necessarily or in particular about, uh, anything political. That's not my goal. And I'm not here to, uh, to preach about, uh, whether or not decisions you should make concerning your health care. That's not it at all. That's not my purpose. But what I am here to preach to you this morning is about uh, the circumstance that is before us in the world. And I look around and, and I make an assessment that I see the world in fear right now. I see, I, I see America in fear. I see, uh, I see Bluefield in fear right now. I see, uh, I see this community of Blue Well in fear right now. And fear, the Bible declares, has torment. And let me tell you something. Whether you realize it here this morning or not, that is not what God wants for you. He does not want you to have torment. He does not want you to live in fear. He does not want you to operate in fear. What he wants, he wants us to have love and joy. He wants us to be people of a sound mind. So did you find it, guys? Anywhere? Okay. We, you know, I, I think the, the, the virus has attacked everything that we have electronically today. And, uh, so just bear with us just a moment. But what I, what I want to preach to you about is, is what I've simply called the person behind the mask. Just bear with us just a moment. I'm not getting cooperation out of a Mac, out of an iPad, out of anything. I think we've, we're, I think we're locked down this morning. Somebody testify. That's what we used to do when we were caught off guard. Somebody just testify this morning. God is good all the time. He is. Somebody else testify. This is what we do. This, right, Jimmy Black? This is what Pentecostals do when they get in the bind. Somebody testify. Stand up and tell that. You need to stand up and tell that. Amen. 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 Somebody else. Somebody else. Well, I 
If you if you have your Bibles, I want you to Sarah, if you run this up to or somebody run that up to Dave, and them, it'll be it'll be on there under my messages twenty twenty. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to First John chapter four. First John chapter four. First John chapter four is a is one of many scriptures. As as I studied this week, and I, I, you've actually probably heard it mentioned already this week. Somebody said that fear is actually addressed 365 times in Scripture. Whether that be exactly true or accurate, I really don't know for sure. But nevertheless, it does sound mighty fine. 365 times in Scripture, fear is addressed. You know, how that we can have faith over fear and we need not fear. And in all that, that is good for us because every single day, we can cling, we can cling to faith in God. We talked in life group, the, the adult life group this morning, and the praise team talked in this room earlier, how that seems unbelievable, but just a little bit over 20 years ago, we had the Y2K thing. Some of y'all remember that. I shared the story about how Y2K, every, everybody was fearful and that I, it was, I was, it was my first pastor. It was a much smaller room than this. Uh, probably just as many people, more, probably more people that night. In fact, really, I know it was more people that night that came to that church on that New Year's Eve service and December 31st, 1999 and, and they're waiting on something Horrible to happen. Everybody was expecting the world to crash. It may have been the end of time. And, you know, people were sitting on buckets. They were sitting on, on stacks of songbooks. And, and I shared how that even as we prayed in the new year, as we, we prayed in, uh, excuse me, 2000, Y2K, there was something about me as a pastor wanting to get up and go back to the main breaker panel and cut the electricity off. We had nine people saved anyway. If I'd have cut the electricity off, Jim, I believe there would have been 90 saved that very night when Y2K was about to occur. But I didn't do that. I, I, I crucified the flesh. But we're seeing... Uh, in our land right now and around the world, we are seeing... A time of not just pandemic, what is considered a pandemic virus, but we are seeing more than the pandemic of the virus, we're seeing pandemonium. We're seeing panic. We're, we're seeing the world, we're seeing the world and people around us. If you don't believe me, go to, go to Walmart, go to Sam's, go, to, go somewhere after church, just go in there and look up and down the aisles this morning. I want to read something to you. 1 John chapter 4. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect, in love. And there I realize, I do realize that John is speaking about the salvation or the, the judgment of God. But yet we do see that 
fear and pandemonium exists among us right now. I'll give you, I'll extend my disclaimer. This message is not so much about the coronavirus. I'm no medical professional. I don't know. I make my own assessments by things I read in comparison to other viruses and epidemics that have happened through the years. And, and, and I have my own opinion, needless to say, just like you have yours. But, but this message this morning is not so much about the coronavirus. I mean, it's, it's evident that it exists. And what I urge you to do as far as the coronavirus this morning is just use a little common sense. If you didn't want to shake my hand this morning, I didn't get upset. If, if, if you just wanted to do an elbow bump or a fist bump or something like that, okay. But if you wanted to do hugs this morning, I'm okay with it too. I, but, but I'm, I'm just saying to you, use common sense. If you, if you, if you're a cancer patient or leukemia or, or if you have severe respiratory ailments or, or something of that nature, uh, I, I think you, you, you need to use extra precaution. If, if you're over 80 years of age, uh, what statistics tell us, you need to be using some extra precautions. It's just a common sense thing when it comes down to it. But I want you to know this morning that what I'm preaching about is not uh, the coronavirus in itself, but I'm preaching to you about a social terrorist that is called fear. You know, back in when 9-11 happened a number of years ago now, uh, the world, but especially in America, but the world learned a new meaning to the word terrorist and terrorism. When our massive twin towers were taken down and the Pentagon, Pentagon was attacked and, and, and hundreds and thousands of people lost their life and airports began to increase security and, and everything in the world changed because of terrorism. Whether, whether another plane crashes or not, whether there's another bomb that's strapped on and goes off in some building or a truck that's driven into some building loaded with, uh, with a bomb or not, Terrorism, the face of terrorism in America changed. And, and we see people living in fear. Now, Wikipedia identifies fear as this. It says fear is an emotion that's induced by perceived danger or a threat, which causes physiological changes and ultimately behavioral changes. Fear will change us physically. Fear will change us mentally. And fear will change us socially is what that's saying. And and what happens, it causes changes such as fleeing, hiding, freezing from perceived traumatic events that haven't even happened yet. They're only potential. Fear in human beings may occur in response to certain stimulus occurring in the present or in anticipation or expectation of a future threat that is just perceived to be a risk. The fear response arises from the perception of danger leading to confrontation with or escape from or avoiding the threat also known as the fight-for-flight response, which in extreme cases of fear, horror and terror 
can cause a person to freeze or even to become in a state of paralysis. Mentally. Mentally. You see, what we find is that fear is... Uh, in another article I read, this psychologist Alex Niles printed this in a, in a, in an editorial that he wrote. He said, fear is an emotional response induced by a perceived threat that causes a change in the brain and organ function as well as in behavior. Fear can lead us to hide, to run away, or to freeze up in our shoes. Fear may arise from a confrontation or from avoiding a threat, or it may come in just the form of some discovery. What all that says to us, to put it in a little bit more layman's terms, is this. Fear is the product of our perception. Fear is the product of our perception of how we perceive things. One definition leaves perception as being a mental concept. It says that perception is a work of the imagination that may or may not even be based on factual information. Perception deals with imaginations, which are images. And it's images that are subject to be influenced by outside sources. Have you ever imagined something happen? Uh, uh, my, my late wife, my late wife, God rest her soul, and, and, uh, you know, she's been, she's been departed now for more than 15 years, but my, she, she, she battled depression and anxiety. It was a vicious battle. It was a constant battle that she had in her life. And, 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 and she would, she would gather sometimes mental, uh, pictures. She, she would worry so much about her dad, that her dad was going to pass away, and she could actually see a, a it mentally she could see in her mind a hearse backed up to the door of the house and a, the death the white death wreath hung on the front door of the house and, and it sometimes it would be a struggle for us to even go away two or three days just on vacation because she was tormented by the imagination that her dad would die while she was not at home and fear would overwhelm her and anxiety would overtake her you see, you see, the, the, the perception, it works in the mind and it's in the, in the imagination. That doesn't say that there's not a reality. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that the mind of man is subject to trickery. If we hear something long enough and we're told something long enough, we will believe it. Whether it's true or factual or not, we will believe it. The man is subject to trickery. Now, of course, it's, it's, it's always been somewhat frowned upon in, in the realm of holiness religion. But now there, there are Christian illusionists out there. And I, I don't know what the difference is exactly between a Christian illusionist and a, and a, and a, and a, and a, a worldly illusionist. But, but, but let's admit it. Uh, you know, David, what's his name? The guy that used to come on TV that used to do all the illusions. Some of you all remember that. Some of you all been to the circus or you've been to a variety show. And like some guy makes it look like he's cutting a woman half 
into. Or if you've even been to Dixie Stampede out in Pigeon Forge and they come out with the wagons and the, and the gals in the, in the box on the, the different butt boards and, and then they begin to move around. Then at the end, when the guy's guessing which one box she's in, she appears way back up at the top of the auditorium and waves to the crowd. All of that is done through the means of illusion, which is trickery of the mind. It's trickery of the mind. You see, some, sometimes the mind will mess with us. That, that, that's why that's why the man in the desert, you remember those old movies, you know, when the dead and the man in the desert would see mirages. It's a trickery of the mind. An oasis in a desert place where it doesn't exist. That's, that's why, and, and every one of us in this room, that's why sometime when we're laying awake, we've got, we're, we've got insomnia and we're laying awake, and you might not hear anything else, but, but, but you hear those things that go bump in the night. I had an aunt that, uh, she grew blind, which it's a trait in my, on my, my dad's side of the family, blindness, and this aunt grew, grew, grew blind in the latter years of her life, and she didn't hear well, very well either, and she would set hours and hours and days and days and months after months and years after years, she just sat in her house alone. She just sat in the same chair all the time, didn't she, Sarah? And she began to hear children talking. And she began to hear, and we thought, man, Hazel is losing it. She's gone wacko on us, you know. She's, she's gone in, she's gone into dementia and Alzheimer's and, and she's lost it. And we, and we took her to the doctor and the doctor said, no, 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 there's nothing wrong with her at all. It's just where she sits in so much quietness. It's her mind trying to compensate for the things that are not there in her life. He said, in other words, her mind is playing tricks on her. You see, you see, fear, uh, fear is, and perception go hand in hand. Fear causes perception. Perception becomes dangerous when perception becomes reality to us. When perception becomes reality to us, here's what occurs. Panic. Panic occurs. Panic negatively affects every portion of our brain that controls our decision-making ability. Not a one of us in this room can make good decisions when we're panicking. In fact, we contrary, we will make bad decisions. You see, it's it's the it's that brain control, the the ability that disrupts the brain neurons. It impedes our ability to reason and to cause us to make sound decisions. We make poor decisions, and typically it, it, it involves the ability to control our emotions as well. That's why people are going crazy right now because of this virus that we're being told about. Whatever magnitude it is, whatever happens, listen. Listen, we really can't do anything to stop it. We really can't do anything to avoid it other than use common sense practices and, and just pray and trust the Lord. But the reality is that there are people that are going into to fear and tormenting themselves because all of this that is going in the world on in the world today, and we don't have a clue that it's even going to be as bad as some say it is. And even if it's as bad as some say it is, we really, none of us in this room, have a cure for it. If you do have the cure for it, let me know. Me and you will strike up a deal and we can make us a lot of money, praise God. But what happens is, panic occurs, then torment sets in. Torment is 
described as or defined as extreme suffering either physically but more so mentally. Mental suffering compounds the distorted perception that's already there. And what happens is the pandemonium has exceeded the pandemic. The pandemonium... Sarah and I went out and ate brunch yesterday. And we're sitting, and there's not a lot of people at the place we're eating brunch at, but, but let me tell you what happened. There was a, in the booth behind us, there, there was a, a couple sitting behind us, and there was the, the, the one person was an adult, they, they were handicapped, they were mentally handicapped adult, and what happens is, they start coughing. <coughs> let me tell you something, the first thought that ran through my mind. Why in the world did they put us in this booth right beside these people when we could have sat back there? And my mind begins to say, should I get up and move? How should I react to this? You see, because I begin to panic. I begin to imagine that this person behind me has has the, the virus and they're blowing it all over me right now. And I'm sitting here eating eating my eating my, my, my breakfast skillet and they're blowing they're blowing you know virus all over me right now. And I might die. I might get sick. Something bad may happen. Could it happen? Could be. Could, could that person have had it? Maybe so. But only time will tell. But you see what happens is we begin to find ourselves in a pandemonium rather than this the pandemic. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to be people of faith. If you're in this room this morning or you're watching or you're listening and you are a Christian, let me tell you something. We're called to be people of faith. And that doesn't mean we be stupid. Okay? But we're called to be people of faith. And I've shared already a couple times this morning, back in, in 2002, when, when I went into Kenya and the AIDS epidemic was rampant, almost, seemingly almost everybody in Nairobi, uh, had AIDS. Nine out of ten people uh, were, were diagnosed with, with, with acquired immune deficiency syndrome. And, and they really didn't know where it was coming from. They really didn't know how it was spreading at that time. And, 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 I, and, I went in there. I didn't think. I didn't really think a whole lot about it. We couldn't take showers. We had to without covering our mouth and and, and our noses. We couldn't drink anything. Of course, we still don't do that when you go to those countries. But 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 you know, I, I've never been a germaphobe. But we wore hand sanitizer out and you know and, and all that stuff. But I went because I felt like God was calling me there in that moment. But the church can't allow this pandemonium and this pandemic to cause us to circle the wagons and go into hiding. In fact, Jesus, we are called to be people of faith. When I look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, I saw that, 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 that the Lord told Samuel not to look at the outside appearance of David. He didn't want Samuel to get the wrong perception. I don't think the church can get the wrong perception now. I don't think we can afford to. Moses has sent spies into the Canaan land, the promised land. They picked 
They picked the large grapes. They eat the grapes. They carried the huge cluster of grapes out on staffs between the shoulders of men. They partook of milk and honey. But when they came back and they gave their report, they said, but in the sight, but in our sight compared to the sons of Anak, we're nothing more than grasshoppers. And their perception caused them to miss what God had for them. You see, and, and, and in this, let me tell you something. Right now, with the panic that is going on in the world, with the magnitude of the, the pandemic, no matter if it's going to be huge or no matter if it's just a flash in the pan, whether or not the world is in pandemonium right now, it is a perfect opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ to step up and to be the church and to be the people of faith that God called us and set us to be and to reach out and touch the world. And right now, we don't have to go to Nairobi. We don't have to go to India. We don't have to go to Pakistan. We don't have to go to the other parts of the earth. We can reach out and impact right where we are at right now. So what it amounts to, it's a new assault, but it's the same enemy. The person behind the mask. The person behind the mask. The person behind the mask uses fear. You see, fear is the opponent of faith. Fear opposes faith is what that means. It's hard to operate in faith if we're given over to fear. Faith is not easy. I'm not suggesting that. In fact, it's probably easier to come by fear than it is faith because fear is, comes from the perception that we have around us, whether it's picking up these things and, and that's all we're seeing, all we've seen, those of you that watch these things like me, it's all we've seen now for a couple of weeks, especially the last few days. It's, it's when we went, we went from, we went from Russians, we went to impeachment and now we're, we're engaged right in the middle of, of, of the disease that they would want you to think is going to wipe the world out. It's going to annihilate the world. Fear. And, it, and it's hard for us not to fear in the midst of all of that. If you don't think I'm telling you the truth, go to the store. Look at the store. Look at what people are saying on their social media pages. Listen to what propaganda has been presented to, to the world through the means of media. Fear is the opponent of faith. And fear is the mainstream tactic of Satan. Are you saying the news media is Satan? No, I'm not saying that. Are you saying social media is Satan? I'm not saying that either. But what I am saying is this. That the pandemonium that exists in the world, I think there is a root of evilness behind it. And that root of evilness is satanic. It is sinful. Understand this. I, I, I'm not given to, you're not going to hear me get up and preach that this is the judgment of God. I don't think it's the judgment of God. But what I do think is I, because we are a New Testament church, I do think what we're seeing is a product of sin. The sickness is a product of sin and the fear is a product of sin. And what we are seeing occurring right now, whether we ever, any of us in this room or any of us ever watching, whether we ever get sick, we have seen 
fear begin to infiltrate the atmosphere and overcome us and overcome our surroundings. Listen to me. When I can't go to the store and get a roll of toilet paper if I need it, if I just only want to get one roll, there is something messed up. There are people living in fear. The editor and publisher of, of, of the Gospel Coalition, Matt Smithhurst, just this past Friday, he included this article in his editorial. He said, Now it's clear that COVID-19 is a deadly, serious global pandemic, and all necessary precautions should be taken. But he said, I still think about the words that C.S. Lewis wrote 72 years ago. He said, C.S. Lewis was not writing about the coronavirus or COVID-19, whichever you prefer to call it. He said, but C.S. Lewis was writing about another pandemic that, that that generation 72 years ago called the atomic bomb. The, the atomic bomb, the bomb that, you know, and, and there's still talk of here in 2020. Some, you see every once in a while, you hear somebody talk about, well, when somebody pushes the button. That bomb that's going to destroy the world. That bomb, that, that nuclear war, that, that, that pandemic of, of, of the nuclear holocaust. And, and it may very well come. I'm not saying that it's not. But, but back in, back 72 years ago, it, I'm not 72 years ago, so I don't know what year that would have been. 48. The end of the war. C.S. Lewis wrote this about the atomic bomb. Instead of thinking of it along the lines of atomic bomb, think about this along the lines of the corona pandemic and the corona pandemonium. Lewis said, In one way we think a great deal too much about the atomic bomb. How are we going to live in the atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, Why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when the raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat on any given night, or indeed as you are already living in the age of cancer, or the age of syphilis, or the age of paralysis, or the age of air raids, or the age of a railway accident, or the age of motor car accidents. In other words, do not... Not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was ever invented. Death is ahead for all of us. He said, and quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, we have anesthetics. But we have that still. It is, it is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful, premature death to a world which already has bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. 
This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things like praying and working and teaching and reading and listening to music and bathing our children and playing tennis and chatting with our friends uh, and, and having... A game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs that may come and break our bodies. And a microbe of a one bomb can do just that. But they need not dominate our minds. We are living in the atomic age. C.S. Lewis in his essay, Present Concerns. I read this morning... 102 people are killed every day in the United States of America in car accidents. So if we're really that fearful, what I want you to do is bring your car and trucks and sign them over to me. (laughs) Especially bring your Harley and sign it over to me and we'll alleviate that fear of destruction. None of us have sold our cars because we heard 102 people get killed every day on the roads, have we? Tragic accident just up 52 away this week right here where we live. Route 20 is notorious for deadly accidents. But none of us have sold our cars. None of us have quit driving. None of us, none of us are, are, and the Lord knows it would be even worse riding a bicycle or something like that. None of us have went into hiding over things like that. Listen, here's the thing about it. New assault, same enemy. The Scripture declares this. Paul wrote this to the church at Ephesus. He said, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of the wickedness in heavenly places. Paul also wrote to another church at Philippi. He said, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, all mental perception, that transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. And David said this, David said this. He said, Even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I'm not going to fear the evil. I'm not going to fear corona. I'm not going to fear polio. I'm not going to fear the flu. I'm not going to fear getting in my car and driving down the road. I'm not going to fear getting on my Harley and riding to the Smokies. I'm not going to fear getting in my boat and going to the lake. I'm not, I'm not going to live my life in fear. I refuse to live my life in fear. David says, even though I'm walking through the valley of shadow of death, the worst valley that you'll ever walk through, any of us will ever go through in my life, David said this, I am not going to fear because I know the rod and staff of the great shepherd. They are there to comfort me and they are taking care of me and everything is going to be perfectly fine. Because I have confidence in the God I serve. So this is what I want you to do. Fight back 
against the person behind the mask. If you haven't figured it out yet, the person behind the mask, as I'm portraying it this morning, is no more than Satan and his devices. The person behind the mask is not some surgeon or it's not some doctor. It's not some lab in China at all. The person behind the mask is the instigator of fear because this message is not about the virus. This message is about the fear that has overcome us as a society of people, not only here in America, not only here in Bluewell, but around the world. I see people that are overcome with fear. But let me tell you something. Perfect love casts out all fear. There is there is nothing to be fearful about in God other than God's judgment itself. And the only thing that I need to fear in my life is, God, I fear you. I want to please you. And the only way that I will please you is by serving you and accepting your Son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord, my Savior, my God, my King. And I cast all of my cares, my troubles, and my dependencies on you. So if I'm going going to have a fear. The only fear I need to have is a fear of you, God. And may that fear cause me to trust you more every single day. I'm no longer a slave to fear. So I want to ask you something this morning. Are you enslaved to fear? Are you enslaved to, to, you're just panicking right now. Right now in your mind, your, your mind's in that, oh no, what am I going to do state? Your mind is in that predicament of, will I survive? You're, you're, you're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Or, or what if that person that coughed what if that person I heard that coughed next to me? What if that was it? And, 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 and we're going around and we're living in fear and we're spending our resources and we're using the things that God has blessed us with to try to accommodate our fear. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're lacking that reverential fear for the person of God. If you would just bow your heads with me for just a moment and close your eyes. I want to ask you a question this morning. First and foremost, the most important thing. Is there one person in this room that lacks the fear of God? And what I mean by that is you you are not born again. You have not given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. You don't know Him in a relationship of that sort. If, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you really, quite frankly, you have no fear of Him. And you're more so subject to stand in His judgment than you are His grace. So if you're here this morning and you need to be saved without any embarrassment, I'm not going to come to you, I'm not going to point you out, I'm not going to identify you. But if you're here this morning you need to be saved, would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. Anybody in this room right now? Is there one person? I need to rededicate my life, Pastor. Is there one person? Okay, I got another question for you then. How many in this room can identify with all that you're seeing, all that you're hearing? I want you to look at me right now. 
with all that you've been seeing, all that you've been hearing, all that you've been reading, all that all that's happening around you. Is there anybody in this room right now that says, Pastor, all this mess has drove me into a panic. It's drove me into pandemonium. I'm really worried. I've really been scared. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand right now. Don't be embarrassed. Because I want to tell you, you're not alone. Is there anybody in this room right now that says, Pastor, I've been driven into fear with all the happenings that's going on around me. Good. Good. This is what I want us to do. No, ordinarily, I would have everybody come up front. But again, we're going to use common sense. But I just want you to stand right where you're at right now. Fear is the opponent of faith. But let me tell you. In the sense that fear is the opponent of faith, the opponent will never succeed. Now, it may succeed, it may succeed in some individual lives, but overall, fear will never overpower faith. Fear will never overcome faith. Fear will never destroy faith. So here's what I want us to do. We're people of faith in this room this morning. Let me tell you something. I'm not telling you you have to do it, but I just want you to think about this. Throughout the ages, throughout the ages, I told you about when I went into my first trip out of this country and I went into a disease-infested country in Africa. But do you, do you realize that some of the, some of the remarkable revivals and some of the remarkable years of the church came during things like the bubonic, bubonic, sorry my mouth's dry, plague, it came through the polio epidemic. It came through times of, of other pandemic circumstances and disease that the churches went out. Did some of those good Christians die that went to help those that were in need? Absolutely, they did. But the Scripture says, What greater love does a man have than to lay down his life for another? The, the church is, is poised. We have in front of us... an excellent opportunity to serve and to be a Christian witness. Back a number of years ago, probably about 12 or 14 years ago, I went to a uh, conference in Nashville, Tennessee with a uh, sat under a, with the whole conference team sat under a Baptist guy by the name of Ed Stetzer. Ed Stetzer was interim pastor at a Baptist church just off Riley Parkway there in Nashville, Tennessee. The great flood, the great Nashville flood occurred just several months before we arrived there for that conference. Nashville was devastated. Opryland got flooded. People lost their homes. There was lives lost. It was, it was terrible devastation. Nashville lost all hope. Fear overcame Nashville. But you know what? That church, that Baptist church that sat just on this little, here we would call it a knoll. It wasn't even a mountain. It's just a little hump. It, that church was spared by the flood waters that consumed all of downtown Nashville and beyond. Let me tell you what happened. Rather than going and hiding and going and weeping and going in mourning, that church stepped up and became a rescue mission for the city of Nashville. 
And that church that had went through a terrible time, went through a massive split and had less than, if my memory's right, it had less than 200 people and it had been a church of thousands of thousands of people. Now they only have 200 people. They can't even pay their light bill in that massive building. God took that circumstance of that flood to bring revival into that church and that church, the last report I had was back to running way over a thousand people because those people allowed God to use them in the most unfortunate of circumstances. So we as Christian people, we have an opportunity before us. The fields are white to harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the field. That worker may be you. Can we pray? Father, today as I come before you, God, we are committing today not to be overcome and overwhelmed with fear. Lord, we are the church of the living God. We are the church blood-bought by the blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We are people of faith. And because we are people of faith, we will not give over to fear. We will not give over to unbelief. Even when the circumstances seem to be phenomenal, even when the occurrences around us are unreal, we will still be people of faith. And we will be representatives of the kingdom of God. And we will square our shoulders back. And we will be the church. We will be the church that you have called us to be. We will be the hands, the arms, the feet, the eyes, the ears, the voice of Jesus Christ in a world that is in in pandemonium right now. We, Lord God, will be the church. We will be the body of Christ that will step to the front of the boat. And we will speak peace into the stormy waters. We will be the Jesus that goes to the funeral possession and speaks peace into the family of a little girl as she is raised. We will be the body of Christ in a world that is in fear right now. And Lord Jesus, we can only do that through Your strengthening and Your anointing. Help us to bury ourselves in Your Word. Help us to indulge ourselves upon Your Spirit. And God, let us, Lord, be different makers amidst a world that seemingly is in crisis, whether it be pandemic or pandemonium. God, we choose this day to be the church. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So today, don't be a slave to fear. Because if you're in this room this morning, if you're watching, if you're listening, understand this. You are a child of God and you have nothing to fear. Was it Roosevelt that said, I have nothing to fear but fear itself? That's the only thing you and I have to ward off right now. It's not a virus. It's not anything else. We just have to stand against fear and use faith in Jesus Christ in doing so. Thank you for being a voice of praise today. We love you. Fill out that connection card if it's been a while since you've been here. or Maybe it's your first time. We have a special guest for you. Gift for you. Don't forget about the, 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 the promo cards for Easter. We want you to invite some people. And we want to be praying over their names in these next few weeks. God bless you. We love you.